Welcome to the Media Leader Podcast. I'm Jack Benjamin. Cookies are deprecating on Google Chrome. Finally, the day that has been many years in the making has finally come. Although, of course, cookies aren't going away all at once. Just 1% of Google Chrome users have seen the cookie list feature so far, with more to come over time. In response, many media agencies, media owners, publishers, ad tech companies, well, just about everyone in this digital media industry have been hard at work creating new advertising solutions to allow marketers to target consumers without infringing on their privacy through the likes of cookies. One such company that has been doing just that is Havas Media, who earlier this month announced a relaunch of its converged platform that can act as an AI-powered solution for transparent cross-platform media planning. I sat down with Havas Media Group's Chief Data and Product Officer Laura Kell to talk about converged, life after cookies, data privacy, and what she thinks of the current media agency model. This is that conversation. We hope you enjoy. Uh, Laura Kell, thanks so much for joining me for uh, this conversation. Uh, before we get into talking about converged and cookies, you know, I want to know a little bit more about you. Um, when did you come to Havas, and, and what got you interested in media more broadly? Well, thanks, Jack. Um, well, I've been in media now for 18 years, if you can believe it, uh, which makes me a very long-standing person in media agencies. But um, So I joined Havas two years ago. Um, it was a great opportunity, actually. I joined as chief data officer. And I've always been passionate about building solutions for clients. Um, it was great to join Havas because Paddy, who's the CEO here, kind of gave us and the team a bit of a blank canvas in terms of developing the Converge product, which is something that I've always wanted to to, to build out a solution that we truly believed in. Um, so it's been it's been a great two years at Havas. Uh, really enjoyed it. Mm. I'll, I'll ask you about Converge specifically in a second, but cookies are are finally actually deprecating, at least on Google Chrome. And mm-hmm. you know, I've been covering this beat for two years or so, and the entire time that I, so the entire time that I've known the digital beat, cookies yeah. have been deprecating this whole time. It, <laughs> so yes, it, it feels like it's been a bit like Charlie Brown and, and Lucy pulling the, the football away <laughs> at the last minute and, and things keep getting delayed. But OK, it's actually happening now. What in basic terms do people need to know about where we are currently in the process of, of cookie deprecation? Well, I mean, yeah, you're right. We've been talking about it for such a long time. And of course, a lot of cookies have gone already. You said yeah. uh, Chrome is, is going to be a huge impact this year. But, you know, Apple have already taken them away, Mozilla have already taken them away. Um, and, and this month, then, is important because Google have done the first step. They've taken 1% of the cookies away. And by some point at the end of the year, we don't know when, but Google will be taking 100% of the cookies away. Um, so what do what do advertisers need to know? And in, in simple terms, what does this mean? Let's start there. In simple terms, what does this mean? Um, a lot of how we have targeted people online, uh, the, the methods that we've used and the methods that we've used to measure digital media, a lot of that's going to become redundant without cookies. So we won't be able to target people in the same way. Um, but also we won't be able to measure the impact of our media in the same way. Most measurements will become redundant after after cookies go. So we need to start thinking in different ways then about how we target audiences and how we measure the impact of media. Um, I think, you know, it's it's something that we've been talking about for a long time and people have been worried about. I do think it actually brings us back to, to some better practices in advertising, really. When we, when we start to talk about measuring media's impact, 
I think we always should be looking at the impact the media has in terms of driving real results for clients. Um, I know that clients can often get frustrated when we're talking about impressions and clicks, because this isn't a currency that any business actually works in. Businesses work and they look at revenue, they look at profit. So we have to be able to demonstrate that our media delivers against those outcomes, the outcomes that really matter to our clients. Um, and I think actually with the cookies going away, it gives us a good opportunity to go back to those proper principles. What is the role of media? How should it be delivering results for clients? And if we can't prove that media pays back and pays back in real terms, so delivers additional revenue for clients, then it's we can't really justify the, the role of media in helping clients to grow their business. Mm. So I mean, the implication is... Uh... Basically, that cookies have led to metrics that aren't necessarily that helpful mm. for business outcomes. I, I I think so. I certainly can't be. You know, we need to have. A, we need to be able to prove that the media drives business outcomes. But I think then, if we think about the other side of it and our ability to target audiences, right? I also think that potentially cookies have led to bad practices there as well, because we can't really understand people if we only look at what they do online and if we only chase uh, their interactions that they're having online. It certainly doesn't tell you everything about an individual. If you think about the websites that you've been to over the past, um, even even this morning, what would it really tell someone? You know, you, you, you tend to capture someone at the point at which they're about to purchase mm. or you find out when, they're, when they've already made their decision about what they're going to do. You don't really understand why they make the decision that they're going to make um, and what you as a brand can do to influence what happens next. You tend to end up often chasing someone right at the end of their journey when they've already made the decisions to what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. You, you've gone on the record as saying, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, I, I think I have this quote as cookies are rubbish anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, that, that's, oh. you know, can, can you can you explain a little bit why why you why you think that way? I, I, I don't know if I'd go on the record saying that, but I can imagine I might have said that. Okay. Uh, look, look what, I'll tell you what I think. And, and this is something I believe I said I've been in media for 18 years. Um, we use techniques like econometric modeling, and that helps you understand how does media drive business results for clients? And what are all the other things that drive business results for clients, right? And I think that when you when you look at what the cookie actually delivers, uh, it delivers kind of short-term media metrics to track, to track performance against, and it delivers quite short-term targeting options. I don't believe that these are the ways that brands actually grow their business. Um, I think that you need to properly understand people, not just looking at what people are doing online um, and and the, the websites that they go to. And I think as well, you need to measure media in terms of the real results that it delivers, not just looking at the short-term media metrics. So cookies have been useful. And of course, we need to target people online. Um, but I do think that they've sold perhaps a bit of a short-term vision to clients. Mm. And I think that moving away from that will only do our clients good. So you've come out with then your your own post-cookie solution at Havas. Yeah. Um, can, mm. can you explain? You've relaunched this converged product. Can you explain yeah. what it is to clients that you're offering and, and why it's important to the future of digital ad buying? 
Yeah, of course. Um, we're really excited about Converge. So I said I've been at Havas for the last two years now, and we've been working on um, relaunching Converge. So Converge is Havas's marketing engagement platform. It exists uh, across the globe. But the nice thing in Havas is each market then is given the freedom to develop uh, to develop within Converge and, and build out their own solutions. Um, so over the last two years, what we've been focused on is can we build a platform uh, which which we know will be which, which works. That's the first thing that that genuinely works, as opposed to any smoke and mirrors around what the agency is offering. We want Converge to work. We want it to work in the future, which means that it needs to be able to work without cookies. Um, and we'll come as well and talk about we wanted it to be properly um, privacy centric as well. So. It doesn't, it doesn't have any reliance on first-party data or PII, although it can be introduced. Um, and, and, the, and the third part about Converge as well is we wanted to build a solution that we could prove helped clients grow their business. So we could prove the return on investment delivered by media, and we could prove as well that it was better than what a client could do themselves or with another agency. So they're the three principles why we built Converged. Um, and we're really proud of what we've built. We've been testing it for the last six months and the results have been really excellent what we've delivered so far. But I'll, t I'll tell you a bit about how we built it. Um, and, and hopefully that'll answer the question. Those kind of three big trends that we spotted when we started this development. Um, and the first was, of course, around cookies, right? So we knew that cookies were going to go away. But also as well, we started with the principle that people are more than an identifier, right? So to properly understand people, you need to understand everything about them. You need to understand who they are, um, how they think and feel, what motivates their decisions, the brands, how they think about brands, different brands in a, in a category, and then also looking at what they do and what they purchase, right? So this was the starting point. I mean, there's no one data set that has all of that information in it, right? So we, we had to we had to build that data set. Um, and the way that we did this was by fusing lots of different data sets together. So we found common identifiers between the different data sets. I mean, it's a technique called natural language processing to, build, to bring those data sets together to create this true 360 view of all the potential customers in the marketplace. So that's the first point about converged is the data sets that it's fed on are fundamentally quite different. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense, starting? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and then the benefit of the approach is that there's no reliance at all on cookies as well within the data sets that we've chosen to fuse together. So we've got this really truly comprehensive view of people um, that that gives a full 360 view of who they are and what they do and how they think and feel. And that's the data set then that powers converged. And can you talk a little bit about how it respects, you know, data privacy more broadly? You know, it, it, so, you know, cookies yeah. are going away, but I know that data privacy is, is you have a, you know, be in your bonnet mm. about actually respecting people's right to data privacy. Yeah, I, I do. I mean, I suppose we have a lot of people who come in to, to see us, have us, of course, and, and all agencies will, and clients will have the same. And I think that there's, 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 there's been a trend really to be looking for a workaround to the cookie. Mm. So to try and invent new technology that allows us to do the same thing as what the cookie does, to track people. Um, but it just it's, it's just not quite a cookie. But it, it does the same thing. And I, I, I do think 
um, that whilst we, whilst we explore all new technology that comes available, I don't think this is about finding a workaround to the cookie, if you see what I mean. I, I think that we have to truly respect the the kind of the, the 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 principles of the regulation, and that is that consumers don't want to be tracked in this way. So unless we kind of fundamentally change how we work, I think that any solution that uses new technology that just looks to work around the cookie will will probably be subject to regulation not maybe this year, maybe next year. So I we really didn't want to build a platform that was built around that type of technology. Mm. Um, because it, it doesn't respect the, the, the principle of the regulation. It just looks to work around it. I'm curious the response from clients, because I could imagine a client who's you know, been, been reliant on cookies maybe for a while, many years, yeah. and, and now finds themselves, okay, we need to figure out the next thing. Maybe something mm. like a, a, a workaround sounds a little bit nicer mm. to them because it's closer mm. to what they're used to. I mean, how, how, how does the conversation go to tell them, okay, you don't need the cookie. Yeah. We can deliver just as well without it. Yeah. And, and, and that, that's the main point that we can deliver just as well without it. And I think that the way that we've been testing converge, it's less about in any solution, the technology, what's happening behind the scenes, what you are doing to get to the result The the most important thing to clients is that you are delivering something that delivers better results, right? Um, And sorry, I say that that's not the most, that's one thing that's important. That's how we judge the technology. Mm. They also need to be reassured that the technology that they're using isn't um, contravening any of the, the legal processes that they would have internally, right? So we have to make sure it's safe. For the client to use that they're not going to get any trouble but also then the, the the question of does it work is you say is it delivering better results and i think that this this part here or i mean for for many years now probably since 2008 but certainly since covid clients have been under increasing pressure to prove the return on investment delivered by their media spend right and you know we, we we've all seen uh budgets be cut and if, if if you are not able to prove that media is an investment, not a cost, you end up in a situation where you're vulnerable to having budgets cut, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's then been the main focus in Converge. And, and what we're also looking at as well is, does it do better than what a client could deliver by themselves with in-housing being another big theme, right? So if clients have the ability to, to use the, in particular, the walled garden platforms, to deliver campaigns themselves. And, and these platforms have algorithms in them that help you optimize. So with Converge, what we the 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 the, the rule that we set is we want to do better than what a client could achieve in-house mm. as well. We, we hope as well that we deliver better than what other agency groups could deliver. So that's the benchmark. Do we do better than that baseline that the client could deliver themselves? And in the testing we've been doing over the last uh, the last six months, so we've had 93% of the tests we've done have done better than a 10% uplift versus the business as usual. Um, and then on average, we've got 45% better than the business as usual. So some have done incredibly well. Mm. Um, but that's that that's the test. And, and we underwrite that in terms of the performance that we guarantee to clients. So if if we don't achieve the a minimum threshold of of an uplift, then then we don't expect clients to pay for the technology. Mm, mm. 
you you mentioned that there's no first party data in baked into the mm. SEPA that, that can be added. I'm curious how you view first party data because uh, many people I've spoken to with the uh, decline of the cookies will say, well, first party data must become more valuable. Yeah. Um, do you okay. see any drawback in in using first party data? Uh. So you're totally right. The first party data strategy is incredibly important now. And there's been tons of focus on that in the industry. And, and you know, some of our clients have got excellent first party data. I think that this would be the the only note of caution that I would give before looking at the kind of the privacy part of it. So mm. a lot of clients rightly have been updating their privacy policies recently, um, getting things like consent management systems to help them with with making sure that the first party data they do collect they can use but putting that to you know assuming that that's done if you look back at any kind of classical marketing theory you do not grow brands by only talking to existing customers you have to talk to the total marketplace and i think the one the one risk i'd put in for clients who focus too much on first party data is you end up speaking only to people who are already engaged with you and as i said classical marketing theory would show that you need to talk to all people mm. um including non customers it's not just but brands don't grow by only focusing on their customers Mm-hmm. It's a really good point. Um, from from the perspective of if you were a, a media owner instead of digital media owner or publisher, I mean, how would you be wanting to integrate first party data into your strategy if you if you were in their shoes? It's I mean, it's interesting. So like the again, the walled gardens um, have options to 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 use first party data in their solutions. Mm. It was, I was interested to see when um, Google started partnering with Infosum. Um, so Infosum is a data clean room for, for anyone who's listening to some more. And we've been doing a lot of work with them. A lot of our clients have got Infosum bunkers. And it's a great way of connecting to clients' first-party data without the transfer of any first-party data. And I think that this is this is the key thing. If I were a media owner, I'd probably be quite nervous about taking large amounts of client first-party data onto the onto into my environment. I think that using things like clean rooms, and that's how uh, Infosum, for example, have integrations with ITV, with Channel 4, with UK TV, uh, and lots of huge UK publishers. So you can connect client first party data directly into the platforms without the platform having to take responsibility for uploading that data onto onto their platform. I think that's really important because media owners probably won't want to be storing client first party data. Mm. You know, it's quite quite risky. And I I thought it was interesting to see that Google did the partnership with Infosum um, and whether that perhaps implies that even they're thinking you know, they would rather work with with clean room technologies, for example. Mm-hmm. Would you say that clean rooms being used that that should be standard, basically standard practice? I don't think it's right for everyone. I think that you have to make a business case for it. You mm. have to say, well, what's the volume first party data that I have? Mm. Is it worthwhile to do? Um, because uh, taking a clean room, it's an investment. You have to make sure that you're going to use it properly. You have to make sure you've got enough data and you can use that data. I'd probably say that there is there is a threshold at which it's not worth doing. You need to grow your first party data store before you start thinking about using things like clean rooms to to activate against that or enrich that data. So I would say that there is a business case where you say, is the investment 
worth the results that you're going to get back. Mm-hmm. What would you like to see, you know, one or two years down the line, if not even further, in terms of the development of digital advertising mm. now that we're moving away, like, fully from cookies? Well, it, it's, it's it's an interesting question. I mean, like, I, I thought you were going to say then when you're talking about a few years' time around AI, mm. um, which definitely is going to have a big impact on how we communicate. We need to, I think, like, you know, if you look at the, 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 the direction in which the, the industry is moving, right? So you've got the the regulation, which is focused on customer privacy. It's what people want. I don't think people like the idea of how we are tracking and targeting them online. And of course, then that manifests itself in terms of ad blockers. People are not paying attention to the advertising that we're doing online as, as much as they could and, and should. And, and, and I would say that that then comes through when we look at um, the econometric results, you know, that there are other channels that perform better in terms of grab, getting people's attention and um, and driving revenue return for clients. But this is, I mean, this, this is my, my personal perspective here. I think that there's a lot of potential in digital advertising, but it just needs to think a bit smarter and think about how can we behave how can brands you know we, we need to provide something that's like almost like a concierge service where it's you get advice that is and recommendations that are linked to who you are what you want and it, it's kind of a uh, there's a value exchange in it that you get information that and deals and recommendations or uh show on new new things that you are genuinely interested in. And I think people, well, this is from a personal perspective, I, I would like that. I would like to have that kind of uh, filter on the internet where things are brought to me. Mm. But it, I do think it just needs to be rethought, really, in terms of versus blindly targeting people mm. online. Uh, whilst it may generate the clicks, it's probably not doing a lot for your relationship with the customer. Mm-mm. It also strikes me that there's mm. um, been reported to be you know, lots of waste in online advertising. And perhaps I don't know how much of it is led by chasing certain you know, targeting mm. uh, uh, hopes. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious if that if, if it also becomes not, not just more higher quality, but also a bit more efficient um, as we move forward. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, the, the, the channels are that people will most often accuse of wasting impressions. Uh, I, I think it's like TV, right? The people, the argument was when digital was was growing, and so TV is very wasteful because you don't really know who you're talking to because the audiences are so broad. I remember hearing a wonderful uh, speaker at a conference, I think they were from Unilever, who said that they didn't believe in any wastage because it was just a future customer. And they were talking about when they launched Dove for Men, you could have argued that they were wasting the impressions before. If any man received an impression, then it wasn't products for him. But when they launched Dove for Men, then immediately all men knew what the brand was, you know? Mm. Um, so that in that sense, then they weren't wa- wasting those impressions on men. It was just uh, a, an audience that they hadn't untapped yet, you know? I, and I do believe in, I, I believe when you look at, again, a lot of the the, the marketing effectiveness literature, it's adverti- advertisement that entertains, that engages, um, that's the stuff that drives drives big results. So, I think if you if you make people think favorably about your brand, then you haven't lost, even if they're not going to buy right at that very minute. Mm. 
I, I, I want to move us along to, because I wanted to ask you uh, other questions. Um, but so we'll put a pin in, in, in cookie deprecation um, and, and the converged product. But it is definitely obviously something to watch and something we'll continue reporting on for, for years to come, I'm sure. Um, so it's an unrelated question, but um, I'm curious what you think about the future of media agencies and not just the future of, of digital media. Um, on an earlier episode of the podcast released this month, Media Sense's Ryan Kangaser uh, explained mm. how recent research that they did at Media Sense found only one in 10 major multinational brands believe the current agency model fits their future mm. needs. And one in four brand marketers believe it is quote unquote unfit for purpose. So I'm curious as someone who, who works at a, at a major media company and media agency, uh, what would your reaction to that survey was? And, and if you listen to the podcast, what reaction you had to, to Ryan? Yeah, I thought it was a brilliant podcast. I really enjoyed uh, the podcast with Ryan. Um, and it's, you know, it's something that we are thinking a lot about. I, we've seen the media agency model has changed over the, the 18 years that I've been in. I remember before 2008, um, a lot of the media business model was, uh, you know, we're talking billions. It was about the volume of money that passed through the business. And I, I would observe, and I think, well, people recognise after 2008, when there was the financial crash, when budgets dropped, all of a sudden there wasn't the same volume of money going through the agencies. And there was a shift then, frankly, towards the type of services that, that my team offers. So, mm. It was additional services that you could provide to clients above and beyond the core media buying. I think that one of the big things that holds media agencies back is, is, the, is the pitch process and the contracts. And the way that we, and it, it's fundamentally, if you look at the, a, lot of, a lot of media agencies are still even now um, bonused and targeted on a reduction in CPM every year. Mm. CPMs are cost per thousand impressions, right? Now, if you just think as a as a, as a marketer, what what does that encourage you to do? And and it, it, you know, it pushes budget, unfortunately, into cheaper inventory, right? So you're buying cheap impressions. Now, I think if we could just fundamentally change that idea, so instead of instead of being targeted on reducing cost. Which, which plays to the idea that media is a cost, not an investment, right? Mm. If we could start to get clients, um, and, and actually, frankly, clients do think in this way, but if contracts and if the relationship were built around a shared, shared goal of improving outcomes, right? So what you're saying is it's, it's not about the cost. It's about the impact that the media delivers. So what is the... What is the growth to a client's bottom line as a result of spending, making investment in media? And for me, I think that if we just were to able to shift the model to a model that's focused on the outcomes that the agency delivers rather than the cost of the agency mm. in CPM or in FTE costs, then we would all be doing a, you know, a, a, we would be doing a job that would, the clients would be happier with. And it's a more sustainable model. Because what you're saying is if we can't help you grow your business, you know, that's that's linked to how we're paid. So everyone, it's, it's, I don't like the phrase, but everyone has skin in the game. Mm. And it would really help, I think, all parts of the relationship between clients and agency if we were able to, to, to keep a focus on the outcomes we should be delivering, not the cost of the services. Mm. In pursuing that, do you think agencies need to become more agile and embrace perhaps specialism or 
should mm. should generalism sort of become more fashionable than than it has been over the past few years? Well, I, th- I, th- I think within this, then, if we're looking in five years' time, right, uh, or however long, you can't ignore the impact that uh, Gen AI will have on on businesses, right? So that I think it was the, the new Gartner CMO report. I think well, it was Gartner, and that you know it, this is top on CMOs' agendas at the moment, mm. and 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 in truth, you know that the Gen AI should and and other forms of AI that have been around for much longer. We should be using these in order to reduce time spent on low value tasks, right? And uh, we have an excellent team at Havas who are who are looking into this and that they're, they're all really passionate about developing new solutions in AI. But then you've got to think about what what's the impact of that? Then you say, okay, well, we need less people, you know. But actually, it's just we need different types of people. It's that, that if we can automate the low value tasks, then the type of people that we, we we should then be looking for in the agency are people who understand clients' business and understands client customers. Mm. You know, if we have those two things working together, it's a, you become you say generalist. I'm not sure. I think I think that that, that is a specialism. It's a strategy split specialism, and we need what we want to be able to demonstrate as much as converged, I said earlier, beats the baseline in terms of what a client could do themselves. We also need to be able to prove that the agency people can beat the platform, Mm. that they can spot things that a model wouldn't find by itself. You know, so the model is looking at what happened in the past and learning from that. Well, where is the opportunity for the future? And that I think should be the focus then of the people in the agency in 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 the future model and so you need to be able to prove in, in the same way that we're saying prove the return on investment of your media spend you need to be able to prove the return on investment of the technology and you need to be able to prove the return on investment of the people mm, mm. The, the you have to prove the human touch is worthwhile essentially yeah but but and, and of course it is it's just that we need to be using people in the right way and have mm. the right the right people it can spot those 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 trends that just haven't happened yet you know Mm. and media media is all about that you know things change all the time so having having the the ability to predict what's going to happen in the future or to see a trend before it starts um is 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 always i think going to help you grow grow clients business Mm. i don't want to fall too deep into the the ai rabbit hole but i think a, a lot of the lower value tasks that perhaps an ai could be really good at automating and that would create a more efficient business tend to be for you know entry level or younger uh work people in the workforce and i do wonder the question of how well can you upskill a, a new person into a role that you know after a few years of you know more menial mm. tasks they would definitely be ready for can people just step in from a young age into the roles that are providing more of that that human value. I think that's an open question, but perhaps you have an, an angle on it. I think you know that the again, it's looking at this. This has been one of the challenges, and I promise this will be the last time we talk about AI on the podcast. But <laughs> one of the challenges has been that a lot of the solutions that have been coming out are quite black boxy, right? So the idea, um, some of the walled gardens, what they're encouraging clients or advertisers to do is, well, 
give us all the money. And then what we'll do is we'll target on broad reach and then we'll optimize and we'll find the, you know, the right way. And then, then you get a result at the end, right? But you don't really understand what worked, how it worked. You, you, you get the final result of the campaign back, but you don't know how the algorithm actually optimized. You don't get granular results back. And I think that there's a big risk there. So, I, you know, it's it's not a case of saying, well, the, the, the machine does the low value tax. Everyone needs to understand the machine. Everyone needs to understand. And I think that you would have more focus than on training entry level people mm. to understand not only how does how does the platform work, because a lot of people will be needed to make the platform work better. Um, and to integrate in particular new data sets to update and, and amend the algorithms. But also as well, we need people who are trained properly to be able to spot the new opportunities, right? Like, so I think that the shift would be to training mm. and to building uh, future leaders. Mm-hmm. Something that future leaders say they, they want more of. So that, that sounds good mm-hmm. to them, I'm sure. Um, yeah. One last question. We ask everyone that comes on the podcast uh, the same question, and that is, what makes you passionate about media? Uh, you've you've been working here, uh, not maybe not at Havas for so long, but in media for for uh, a good few years. And I'm curious, you know, yeah. what makes you passionate about it? Uh, it's a brilliant question. I like working in a media agency because I like to enjoy coming to work. I'll be honest. And I since 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 um, been very young in media to being a bit older in media, I've always enjoyed coming to work. Um, I like the fact that, particularly as a data specialist working within media, first it was really, it was quite scary. If I look back when I first joined an agency, you know, there was like three people who worked in the data team, probably like five people who worked in the digital team. And it it felt like it was quite a scary place to be, actually, but a lot of fun. Um, and I suppose the, the thing that I really enjoy is as I was, the, the, there's always a feeling of quite entrepreneurial within a media agency, particularly as, you know, it's not data services, not the main focus of of what, uh, certainly weren't the main focus of what an agency delivered. If you thought of a good idea and you could sell it into your your bosses, then you were allowed to go off and have a go and try and build it. And I think that this is, you know, and it's, it's a challenging for all agencies is thinking, how do we attract the best talent and particularly in data science and engineering, it's you know it's, it's it costs a lot of money, but then also I think what you can offer in the agency is the freedom to be able to develop new solutions, to have a go at something, and it's not it's not it's not the end of the world if it doesn't work. You know, mm. you can keep trying new things, and that's that's what's always engaged me in media. Mm. Well, that's a great way to end it, Laura. Thanks so much mm. for joining me. Really enjoyed it. Speak soon. Thank you for listening to the Media Leader Podcast. You can find and listen to all our episodes on our website at themedialeader.co.uk or wherever you get your podcasts. But just remember, please do subscribe to be notified when we release our next episode. From all of us at The Media Leader, I'm editor Omar Oaks. Our executive producer is Jack Benjamin. See you next time.